Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. You know, I listen to Bickley and Murata. Terrific show, by the way. I really enjoy it. Bickley and Murata mornings from 6 to 10. Bickley and Murata. It's the greatest show on earth. Bickley and Murata. Good morning and welcome. Dan Bickley. Sportsman. Sports. Vince Murata. It's a power-packed morning zoo. Are you kidding me? Bickley and Murata. Bigly and Murata. I love this show. This is the greatest show in the history of radio. It's the greatest radio show ever. Bigly and Murata. I hate everything about this show. This is the worst show in the world. Good morning, everybody. Happy Tuesday to all you Valley sports fans. Welcome back to Bickley and Morata mornings, at least for a couple of days, before Vinny goes, see ya. <laughs> not for good. Not for good. Just get that out just there. temporarily. Not fired. Not fired? It's not fired. Yeah. Maybe Jared's not. been fired, though. I think we need to kind of perpetuate that rumor. He's been fired. <laughs> Let him think when he shows He's up, been fired. Like, what are you doing here? Right, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> what a bizarre Christmas. We get a, We had a couple of sports teams both lose in overtime on Christmas. <laughs> I can't wait until next Christmas yeah. when the Cardinals and Suns both lose in double overtime. Because <laughs> that's the progression. I, yeah, or or the progression would be no football for the for the Cardinals next yeah. year. I was going to say the Suns. I think they still probably have a shot, but the way things are trending, I, I don't think the Cardinals are going to be making another Christmas showing. You're probably right. anytime soon. And that's not a bad thing. Yeah, thanks, Cardinals. Yeah, I, I tell you what, this is kind of weird. I don't know what you guys think about this, but it's it, the only thing I like less than Christmas music before Thanksgiving is Christmas music after Christmas. Yeah, and that's a thing. Don't like it. it and so down in the lobby right now, there's like there's nobody anywhere. It's just dark and desolate, and there's just Christmas song after Christmas song, and it would make your skin. It did make my it's skin. It's like grow. a horror movie. It is exactly like a horror movie. It's exactly what that's like. Ooh. Yeah. I just think, I think the day after Christmas, just turn it off. Yeah. I'm right there with you. I like there, the lights sticking around, though. There I don't are mind people, that. Yeah. I mean, now with like streaming and customized playlists, there's people that are driving around in July in Phoenix, Arizona, listening to Christmas music. Trust me, it happens. It's true. I do know those people. We actually. have a name for these people. Uh-huh. <laughs> Can you say it on the air? Yeah. Well, hey, no, yo. I'm not going to. Uh-huh. Losers, what? <laughs> what just really, they, The name for those people is, those are the people that just really love Christmas. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know, I don't, man. I don't get it. I don't know. Either do I. Either do I. So everything I go trying, good? I was trying all... to, before the uh, holiday, I was p- putting my finishing touches on like wrapping gifts and getting mm. everything. To, I was like, you know what? I need a little Christmas music to get me in the spirit. Oh. I lasted like a song and a half, and then I cha- I, cha- I was like, I can't do this. I, I don't know. And so I'm going to give you a little quick anecdote of, of really kind of how my Christmas went this year. So there was one gift I bought for my son that I was very, very proud of. He wanted a ukulele bass. Mm. So it's a bass guitar. Uh, that looks like a small acoustic guitar, but it sounds kind of like a ukulele. Yeah. So I found this one built in Hawaii that the specs on it were unbelievable. And it was like great reviews. I'm like, I've got to get this for Cameron. Well, it turns out it's on back order every place. 
every place. I find a music store in Nashville, Tennessee that's got one hanging on the wall. Really? So I call there, and I'm like, you have to ship that to me. Okay, done. So I buy it. It arrives, and I'm all excited. The day it arrives, my son arrives home from college simultaneously, and he walks in. Hey, Dad, good to see you again. This was outside the front door. Oh. And on the box, it says bass. Oh. <laughs> like, okay, this is what kind of Christmas it's going to be. I declared war on Christmas at that point in time. Yeah. Things got much better for me after that. Yeah, it's not my favorite Christmas. I'll just say that. Yeah, I know. Vinny's got a son who's trapped up in a travel nightmare. Yeah. 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 Oh, my gosh. So for all these horrible tales of oh, people not being able to get home for Christmas, his son's one of them. Yeah. That's brutal. Yeah. And might not be back for another five days or so. Uh, uh, listen, I... You should just start walking. I yeah. do not know what happened to the airlines. I do not... I don't know well, what happened to anything. It was everything. an airline, yeah. as far as I can tell. <laughs> yes. And, and the government an is looking into it. And I don't know if saw. All right. Okay, yeah. well, we got a lot of makeup stuff to do, don't we, Vinny? We do. All right, Lauren, start the show. The Splash. Splash. The stories making waves in the sports world. The Splash. Cannonball. Cannonball coming. The Splash, brought to you by Presidential Pools, Arizona's number one pool builder. See why at presidentialpools.com. Yeah, Cardinals have a day off today before they're back on the practice field tomorrow to start preparation for their trip to Atlanta to face the Falcons. Of course, they fell to 4-11 with their 19-16 overtime loss to the Buccaneers on Christmas night, and the hits just keep on coming. Safety Buda Baker out for the rest of the season with a fractured shoulder. Story broken yesterday by NFL Network's Ian Rappaport just moments after head coach Cliff Kingsbury finished up his weekly Monday press availability and interview on Arizona Sports. Uh, it's unclear when Baker suffered the injury since he played all 81 defensive snaps in the game. Mm-hmm. Cardinals also placed long snapper Aaron Brewer on injured reserve and they claimed cornerback Josh Jackson off waivers from the Steelers. Remember him? He was cut in the preseason. Oh, I do remember him. He's back! Uh, Buda Baker, man, he deserved better this year. To play at least portion of a game with a with a fractured shoulder for a team going nowhere that just goes to show you where his desire lies. Yeah, is. I know, I know. He's cut I, from a different yes, cloth that yes, guy. Yes, yeah, I agree. I agree. Another coaching job opened up on Monday. The Denver Broncos cut loose Nathaniel Hackett who didn't even make it through one season with the team. They fell to 4 and 11 with an embarrassing 51 to 14 loss to the Rams on Sunday. It is the shortest non uh, shortest non-interim coaching tenure in Broncos franchise history. Jerry Ross the uh, Broncos interim head coach for the last two games of the season. So we're starting to see these teams getting impatient. So, Second straight year, the coach has not made it through his first year with the team. So, Urban Meyer last year. So you're telling me an overmatched head coach who can't get along with this quarterback who brought in a broken offense and has four victories on the season just got fired? Yeah. What? Oh, hmm. That doesn't, that doesn't sound familiar. That doesn't sound familiar. <laughs> right? Not, here, not, not around these not guys. Yeah. Uh, week 16 of the NFL concluded last night with the Chargers shutting down the Colts in a game for the diehards, 20-3. Austin Eckler ran for two scores. Chargers defense intercepted Nick Foles three times and registered seven sacks. And the Chargers locked up an AFC playoff spot, which is interesting because that Brandon Staley coaching position was kind of on thin ice for a while. But how do you fire a coach who gets you to the playoffs yeah, for the first know, time in four years? 
Yeah, you, you, can't. you can't. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles right tackle Lane Johnson expected to miss the rest of the regular season with an abdominal injury suffered in Saturday's loss to the Cowboys. Dolphins QB Tua Tungavailoa in the concussion protocol again after describing his symptoms to team doctors on Monday. Tungavailoa threw three picks in the fourth quarter of Miami's 26-20 loss to Green Bay over the weekend. Um, this is probably three separate concussions for Tua Tungavailoa. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into the story is, a little bit yeah, later yeah. on. Yep. Suns continue their road trip tonight in Memphis for another matchup with the Uh-oh. Grizzlies, who just beat them by 25 last week at Footprint Center. Suns also coming off a gut-punch overtime loss in Denver on Christmas. Not only did they lose their third straight, but they again lost Devin Booker, who returned from a groin injury, lasted just four minutes of that contest. He's out again tonight, as is Landry Shamit, who had 31 points against Denver. He's out with a sore Achilles tendon. Suns are 19-15, and 4-9 and nine over their last 13 games. Memphis has lost 3 of 4, including a 14-point loss to the Warriors on Christmas. Tonight's game gets underway at 6. Pre-game coverage starts at 5.30 on the Arizona Sports app and 98.7. Uh, that was a highly entertaining, very late, and ultimately very frustrating game if you're a Phoenix Suns fan on Christmas. Yeah, I know it was. It was. I think it was all those things. And it was, uh, you know, if you, you get away from that ending and that reversal call on that Aaron Gordon dunk, the Suns played very well for, for dealing with the adversity that was dealt with them early on. I agree. What it means in the short term, though, is anybody's guess. Yeah. Talk about a basketball team hanging on by their fingernails right now. That is true. Coyotes home tonight, taking on the Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche at Mullet Arena. Yotes well-rested. They haven't played since their 2-1 shootout win over the Kings the last Friday. The Avalanche come into tonight's game with 40 points, good for third place in the Central Division, but they've won four straight in six of their last seven. Face-off tonight at 7. Pre-game coverage starts at 6.30 on the Arizona Sports app and ESPN. And 620. Uh, the new college basketball top 25 AP rankings came out yesterday. Purdue, once again, topping the list. Top five stayed the same. It's Purdue, followed by UConn, Houston, Kansas, and Arizona. Fifth, UCLA moved up two spots to 11th. And Arizona State stay in the top 25 was brief. Not only did the Devils drop from the top 25, they didn't receive a single vote after that 37-point blowout to San Francisco last week. Not even our guy in Seattle who gave him a top 10 vote? Nope. Darn. <laughs> He, yeah, went, that, yeah. he went from number 8 to yeah. at least number 26. How about that? 26. Yeah, that loss left a mark. Uh, ASU host Arizona in uh, Tempe on Saturday. Arizona's Azulis Tabellis was named the Pac-12 Player of the Week. He averaged 20 points per game on 65% shooting and wins over Montana State and Morgan State. And college football bowl season continues today, Vic, with four more games. Of the eight teams playing, five of them have 6-6 six and six records. Really? Uh, Georgia Southern against Buffalo in the Camellia Bowl. Memphis takes on Utah State in the Serve Pro First Responder Bowl. The Battle of Carolina. Coastal and East in the Birmingham Bowl. It's only fitting that two teams from the Carolinas would get together in Alabama. Oh, of course. And then Wisconsin and Oklahoma State wrap up the night in downtown Phoenix in the Guaranteed Rate Bowl at Chase Field. Kickoff at 8.15. Okay. And that's usually a wacky bowl game. Weird stuff happens. Yeah, it's getting into history. Rate bowl. There's yeah. no doubt. There you go. There's your splash for Tuesday, December 27th. Coming up next... Same old story for the Arizona Cardinals. They fought hard, but they lose in overtime. And a crew more injuries in the process. We'll get into the latest ugliness next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings live from the Ak-Chin Community Studios. Here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Snap is down. The hold is good. The kick is up. Definitely has the leg, and it is good. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers walk it off in overtime. The game-winning 40-yard field goal. Tom Brady and the Buccaneers pull it out against the Cardinals. 19-16 is your final. Yeah, Paul Calvisi on the final call Sunday night uh, from State Farm Stadium as the Cardinals lose another home game. One win at home this year. One win, Ben. Yeah, one win, and that came on Thursday night football against a team that was traveling from New Orleans. So, yes. yeah, this has been a uh, a dreadful home season for the second year in a row, and, and I do think that that, they, that might be the one element that hits Michael Bidwell harder than anything. Um, it looked for a while in that fourth quarter like they were actually going to pull it off. It looked to me from most of the game, it was alarming at how bad Tom Brady and that Buccaneers team was. I had sat here and talked about how desperate they were going to be, how on it Tom Brady was going to be. Man, I, for for an offense, yeah, granted they've got offensive line issues, but they still have good skill players, and and he, I've never seen him look so inaccurate. His arm talent is just fading. Yeah, I mean, it's just fading. Be and he was really good on that last drive in overtime that led to the game-winning field goal. But that was the only time the entire game that Tom Brady looked like Tom Brady. I agree. For most of the game, Trace McSorley outplayed Tom Brady, mm-hmm. and Trace McSorley wasn't good. No, no. <laughs> I mean, and, let's let's call it like it is. But it was the same old ingredients for the mm-hmm. Cardinals every single week. It's the same story and the same storylines after the lack of complimentary football. James Conner rips off a twenty-two yard touchdown run. The Cardinals are up 10 points in the fourth quarter, and you're thinking, wow, they might actually do this. Mm-hmm. And then lack of complimentary football. First play from scrimmage. After that, the defense gives up a 44-yard pass. Yeah. It's, it's stunning. A defense that had been so um, so good com- comparatively speaking for most of the night picks that moment to have a, a total breakdown. I agree with you. Yeah. And, and then, then they let Tampa back right in the game somehow, some way. And then you're still up three points. you got a crucial third and one at the 42-yard line and another head-scratching play call that leads to a turnover. Third down and one, you have James Conner, who is your physical running back. Mm-hmm. Instead, they call a pitch play. From Trace McSorley to Keontae Ingram, who had one carry in the game. Mm-hmm. Ingram never catches it. Tampa Bay recovers, and the rest is history. So Cliff Kingsbury is again asked to defend a play call that he made. Here he was uh, with Wolf and Luke yesterday with Howard Balzer and Tim Ring sitting in. Yeah, I think just overall we we got to be able to execute that that play in that situation. you got two young guys um, who haven't played a lot of football. Um, and, and, you know, those things happen, unfortunately. But in, in the NFL, if you get a third and one like that, you have an opportunity to make a play. you gotta got to find a way to make it. So I don't think there's blame to put, you know, on either um, party. I think together it's just somehow, some way in that situation you can't have that ball hit the ground. There's, so, I, I, there's one thing I could not recommend reconcile from that game. Mm-hmm. It's fait accompli. Is it good that the Cardinals lost? Ultimately, yes. They're, they're improving their draft stock. They're going to have a top four draft pick. But what I can't do when the game is going on is shut my brain off because the goal of competition is to win. Mm-hmm. That's a play you have to make? No, it's not. 
And I agree with Cliff Kingsbury on one front. You can't blame Trace McSorley or Keontae Ingram. You know how much I hate the phrase and coaches that always lean on, we've got to put players in position to be successful. Mm -hmm. That's the definition of coaching. And that was an absolute abject failure on that front by Cliff Kingsbury. James Conner had run the ball on third and one 15 times this year, Bick. Mm -hmm. Converted 12 of them. He had run... His previous run, one of his most recent runs was a 22-yard touchdown. He was bowling people over. Right. And the level of overthinking by this coaching staff on a week-in, week-out basis is mind-numbing. The uh, Yeah, listen, I, I think after the game, I think it was Kyle Vandenbosch uh, who came out and said that if you watch the play, even if Keontae Ingram catches the ball, there's a couple defenders right on the edge ready to swallow He's him up. Not, it was so the play not, wasn't going to work. No, it was not so ex- Executed well the, at all. So the do your job crowd, you can pipe down with all of that about, oh, you got to catch the ball at that time. The reason why smart football coaches think players and not plays in big moments is is exactly that. On a third and one, it, it, that play might jump off the play sheet to you and go, oh, that might catch him sleeping. You don't pitch the ball to Keontae Ingram, who had one carry it or touched the ball once at that point in time. That, that to me, is just a fundamental disconnect that I've seen repeatedly with this play caller and this offense. You get into these big moments, and it, and there's a, there's not only a lack of clarity, things get muddled. And, and that's just an, another reason why this football team struggles so badly on the margins, in the moments when you have to execute to win football games. There's people out there, I heard from a couple of... I heard from a couple of Pollyanna glass three-quarters full people over the weekend who said, I need to stop being so mean to the Cardinals. They're building and they're getting better. And I'm like, I, I, I can't believe people are viewing it this what, way. What? There's a reason why this team loses close football games. What are you watching if that is your viewpoint? I know. I know. It just, this I, was an 11-win team they, last they might year be that bots. was 10-2. and two. They might be bots, Vinny. It might be artificial intelligence. Building towards what? And specifically to that play again, here was Cliff Kingsbury, the you know, after the game on Sunday night, on why they went for uh, went for it on uh, with that play. Yeah, we'd set that up, um, hit a bunch of stuff downhill. They were pinching everybody in. I uh, liked how it was set up. Thought we had the play on, and just weren't able to execute it, um, which is tough in that situation. I, I mean, we're just lacking the phrase. We we liked that play. But the question is, is anybody asking Cliff Kingsbury why he likes these plays in these mm-hmm. situations? It's it, 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 like you said, there's a play that jumps off the sheet. Oh, I'll, I'll get him. I'll look like a genius on yeah, this play call. But you're yeah. burned by it time and time, time and again. Time again. How Move many times have we? Chains. How many times have we said give the ball to James Cutter in that situation this year? How many? How many controversial, sus kind of play calls have we reverted to the? Why don't you give the ball to the guy that that never loses yardage? I look. I, there's that, and I don't think the coaching was really that much of an issue. But again, it, it it's that stuff. It's that's it's the lack of clarity and and coherent thinking in big situations that I have seen and tracked and talked about Vinny for three consecutive years. Yes. Is it a problem as well that Camus Grosier Hill had as many catches and as many yards as DeAndre Hopkins in a football game? Well, there's that. That's also a big, big question coming out of this game. And it, it's okay. So Greg Dorch comes out, and Greg Dorch has got a great, obviously, a great camaraderie with Trace McSorley. But how does a guy that good get no playing time? 
Cliff Kingsbury was asked about that too. Are you lamenting the fact that you didn't give Dorch more opportunities this season? Uh, there's not. No, he's he's. This has been a, a process of him kind of coming on, developing, continuing to work, continuing to master his craft. I thought this was by far his um, sharpest game as far as dialed in, executing the offense as it's called. Um, he was really crisp tonight and continues to make plays when he when he gets his number called. And uh, so really uh, proud of, of his progress and how he played tonight. I mean, the numbers are pretty similar between Greg Dortch and Rondale Moore this year, and both have had injury issues. Uh, Dortch, 44 catches, 422 yards. Moore, 41 catches, 414 yards. Mm-hmm. Two touchdowns for Dortch, one for Moore. I think I, I think uh, Greg Dortch is a better football player right now at this point of their perspective. Uh, I, yeah, right, right. And so how does a guy who is that impactful with a third-string quarterback see 10 snaps the previous two weeks? It, it just doesn't make any sense. Even I, I, I think people are having a hard time kind of wrapping their heads around that. Then you've got the DeAndre Hopkins-Hollywood Brown situation. For a couple of elite wide receivers, they sure haven't looked like it recently. I mean, 10 targets, one catch? And, and, Seven minutes yeah. and change left in the game before DeAndre Hopkins mm-hmm. gets his first. And that catch. was just a, that. And that was and that reception was okay. We better get this scoreless or this consecutive game streak oh, thing yeah. passed on. That was a yeah. That was a stat driven play in that on that. And that's okay. I don't I don't mind that. I, I'm not complaining about that. I just think it's very very odd that a guy who is that easily open at all times, why why he was a non factor. Yeah, uh, a lot to get into. Not only on that game, but to uh, where the Cardinals are with two weeks left. <laughs> uh, coming up at 7 o'clock, we'll have to react to the ESPN story that mm-hmm. came out on Friday when we were off the air. But uh, that was a pretty damning story that came out as well. You can text your thoughts as well to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Cardinals, uh, not the only team locally struggling. The Phoenix Suns are as well. Coming off a gut punch loss to the Denver Nuggets in Memphis for another tough one tonight. We'll get into some Suns talk straight ahead. It's Pickley and Murata. Mornings here on this Tuesday here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Damian Lee, the offensive board, tips it over to Bridges. Six seconds left. He threw it away. Bruce Brown got the steal. He'll dribble it into the forecourt. Down to two seconds. Brown gets away from Samet, and that will end it here in Denver. Nuggets win. Final score in overtime, 128-125. John Bloom on the final call, Christmas night. That might have actually been uh, the morning of December 26th. In fact, in Denver, I know it was. That was one late basketball game. Yeah, That goes into overtime. Very entertaining, ultimately frustrating, and a loss for the Suns as they lose by three. Um, And it was one of those... Games that you're frustrated by, Bick, but you you take away some things from it. There mm-hmm. were good things to take away from. First and foremost, this team got off to another horrendous offensive start. They fell behind by 15 points in the first quarter. Four minutes into the game, Devin Booker, who's making his return from a groin injury, he goes back out oh. and you're thinking, how ugly could this get on national television? But the rest of the game, I mean, they shot the ball well. Mm-hmm. Um, they fought the whole way. That's what I liked. It was a, a, a historic performance by Nikola Jokic in that game, and yet the, the, the Suns still had an opportunity to steal one. 
Um, Landry Shamit continues to, to con, uh, improve his play. So there were things to like, but mm-hmm. man, there was a lot of stuff to be frustrated yeah, about. Yeah, that was, listen, and I do, that that game hurt, and I, and I saw the reaction from a lot of people just basically, I was driving home from the football game, I was listening to it on the radio, and obviously at the center of the reaction was the was the charging call that was overturned and reversed. It, it made a lot of people mad. It technically by the NBA language, they were they were okay to go to a review. It was weird they went to a review when the whole, when the ref who made the call was so convicted in his call. There was really no hesitancy in that call. Yet when you watch the replay, Landry Shamit did slide and he wasn't set. So there's not much to argue with other than other than just the rotten luck of it all involved. In my opinion, it's a dumb rule. Let's that, face okay. it. The, right. the reason why a replay was triggered there, the, the Nuggets had no challenges. They would have cha- had they had one, they probably would have challenged that, and they would have won the challenge. Let's be honest about it. But what triggered that replay was to check to see if Landry Shamit was in the restricted area. He wasn't even close. Not even close. He wasn't even close. And if that's what triggers the replay, that's what should be reviewed. You should not be able to go back and then re-officiate yeah, a play. Right. Yeah, okay, that it's makes a sense. stupid rule. That makes sense. Um, but, you know, there were other opportunities for the Suns. Listen, Mikhail Bridges, I, I, listen, for as much as we love him, his crunch time numbers are quite bad. They're pathetic, and um, his crunch time performance at both the end of regulation Ugh. where he got a just a boneheaded offensive foul running into a, a, a defender trying to set a screen and then he threw the he had two turnovers in that game both in the last 10 seconds one in regulation yeah. one in overtime and we live in a world the reality for the Phoenix Suns is when Devin Booker is out and the Suns flounder about 90% of the blame goes to one person. And yes. that blame is DeAndre Ayton, yes. who's not without blame for, for that performance, right. by the way. But everybody always says, oh, Booker's out. You need more from DeAndre Ayton. That is false. You need more from everybody when Devin Booker is out. Devin Booker is pretty much the offense for the Phoenix Suns as currently constructed. So that's what was promising to see the Suns play so well offensively for most of that game. But... They need more from Mikel Bridges, and I know he's the defensive stopper, although I agree with Kellen Olsen and what he said last week on our show, Bick, is that Mikel Bridges' defense has, has taken a step back yeah. this year. Yeah, um, And it's not coming at the expense of uh, his offense because his offense has been very spotty. Yeah, and listen, that second turnover in overtime, it, it's if Mikel Bridges is going to be that guy, you need to shoot that ball. You yeah. need to take that three-point shot because that's what you need at that time. And instead, he got locked up and made a disastrous pass that just was a very unfortunate ending to that game. So the, so the end of the game was kind of problematic to me. It's sort of like the Cardinals game in a weird way. Uh, but I really like the way that they handled that disappointment because for Devin Booker to not last uh, a minute, and I'm metaphorically speaking, to get to re-injure that groin that quickly, that makes you wonder when he's going to come back from this time around because yeah, that's, yeah. that's going to be length a lot more oh, uh, yeah. than three games. A lot Let, more. Let's face that. A but, lot more. Uh, going back to that last play, here was Monty Williams after the game on uh, Mikel's performance and decision-making on that last play. I think he saw Landry. I just looked at it. I think he saw Landry late. But in that moment, once we got the ball back, you know, he may have had a chance to just step back and just you know, take a shot. You're just trying to, in those situations, the way teams switch, you don't have a lot of time to you know, put the ball down because teams will foul you. 
But looking at the film, it seems like he saw Lang uh, across the court and just saw him at the last second, and then he jumped in the air and he almost trapped him and put himself in a tough spot. Yeah, and that's the other thing. I mean, when you're even if you're making the decision in the, in the point five system of Monty Williams to make the pass, you can't get in the air. No, you leave yourself completely vulnerable to exactly what happened when you do that. Yeah, and again, I, I understand what Mikael Bridges is thinking that Landry Shamit was the hot hand at that point in time, and and he's been on quite a bender recently. Mm-hmm. Fun fun stat for you. I know you've seen this. The Suns are zero and two, and Landry Shamit scores thirty one points. <laughs> How's that for a stat? <laughs> well, we know for a fact that he will not uh, score 31 points tonight because now he's out. Yeah, uh, yeah, right. So, so to me, I, I think that um, I, I think Bakel has got to be better. If he's going to be that guy, you got to be that guy. If the Suns are propping you up as an All Star, then you need to shoot that basketball at that point time and make that play. So, yeah, this is uh, this is getting a little bit weird, man. They're, they're at 15 losses now. Yeah, they're nineteen and fifteen. Yeah. They're four and nine in their last thirteen games. And normally speaking, and I know a lot of people were, were kind of beating on this drum. It was like, don't treat the regular season with as much reverence as you did last year. Sixty four wins was nice. It amounted to nothing. But for all years, for there to be a reversal on that philosophy, this is not the year to do it. Because now the Suns are in fifth place. Um, they are three games in front of Minnesota for 11th place. Ooh. There's five games Ooh. remaining on this road trip. I'm not saying it um, to be, you know, doom and gloom. I'm saying it because it's a reality with the, the, the teams that they're playing on this road trip, the list of injuries that they have. There is a very good chance that the Suns are the 11th seed in the Western Conference when they come back Uh-oh. from this road trip. Yeah, and again, it's it's. I, I do believe that moves are happening. The state of this basketball team is going to change, but that's you're right. That's a dicey proposition. My One of my takeaways was I, I kind of felt a little bit of desperation after that Friday loss to the Grizzlies, which was another one of those embarrassing games. You know, you were there. Mm-hmm. I, I, feel like, I feel like that Devin Booker might have rushed that return. Because it was Christmas night and because there was, uh uh-oh, if we just got work like that, now we're going into Denver, uh uh-oh. Uh, th- so, so that tells me on the flip side, they're going to be they, they're going to have to be extra cautious with book coming back. So, now you're right. This is going to be there's going to be some turbulence ahead for this basketball team. There is, um, and we didn't even get into the DeAndre Ayton frustration. He had six turnovers in that oh. game against Denver and repeatedly. Uh, it, w- it was repeating the same nature of the turnovers. One of them was on an offensive foul. I think one was on a travel, but I think he had four turnovers where he put the ball on the floor and then was double teamed and just had the ball taken away from him and raised some eyebrows after the game when he said this. I didn't know the number on the have guys come at me like that. That was an adjustment. I had to, like, you know, stop putting the ball on the ground so quick. They were trying to score because as soon as I put it down, they were they were there. They had a three, four, and they were doing that. Yeah. That's concerning. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> that, of, of, and again, I've tended, I've tended whenever Da talks about anything, it's in one ear out the other because uh, a lot of times it's just it's just words. That was a little bit concerning to me because okay, hold on, Devin Booker's not on the floor, and you're surprised that they're rushing you mm-hmm. when you get the ball. <laughs> and from a really? scoring and rebounding standpoint, really? he did well again. Yeah, uh, has a tough, obviously a yeah. tough matchup against Jokic, but you know he's talking about making adjustments. 
that should be an adjustment that's made after one turnover. Oh, yeah. Because this is something that has been coached and drilled into the head of DeAndre Ayton, and he continues to have a propensity to do it. To do it. To bring the ball down low, and the handle just isn't great. Yeah, no. And, and just, it's, you know, well, just have the ball ripped out of his hands. Yes, and it's in six turnovers. Ugh. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm with you on that. Like I said, it was all a very. <laughs> yeah, it was. Another frustrating Christmas for Arizona sports fans. There How you go. It? Both teams lose in regulation last year. This year, they take it to the next well, level and made you watch longer before they lost. Uh, a friend of mine, John Walter, great writer, he lives in the Valley, he said that every, every Phoenix sports fan felt like Landry Shamit on Christmas night, just getting dunked on. <laughs> Aaron we Gordon's all, butt on your yeah, face. Right. Yes. We are all Landry Shamit is what we are. And I feel bad for Landry Shamit because now he's the subject of that poster and everybody's calling it the dunk of the year and it was absolutely spectacular. Dunk of the year? I no. But man, he Zion's made... Zion's 360 against the Suns was the dunk of the year. <laughs> They're all against the Suns. <laughs> I will, I will never fault a guy uh-huh. who ends up on a poster for trying to make the right play no, defensively. There. Listen, you know my thoughts on this. I've said this for years. We should not shame somebody who's stuck on a poster. We should celebrate them because at least they have the cojones to contest. Although you can't spell Shamit without shame. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that's good, too. Do you end up on a poster anymore or like an NFT? Yeah, that's true. Do the kids that's do true. Do they posters? do posters anymore? I think posters have more uh, legs left than NFTs do. <laughs> true. <laughs> true. Coming up next, we'll hit some NFL hash marks, another coach firing and concerning news out of Miami. That is all straight ahead. It's Pickley and Murata mornings here on this Tuesday on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Pickley and Murata hash marks. down, two to go in the NFL for some teams. Jockeying for playoff position for other teams. It's determining their draft order, and that's the reality here in Arizona. But uh, over the weekend, Vic, we saw another um, shoddy performance, not a good performance at quarterback by Tua Tungavailoa of the Miami Dolphins. Mm -hmm. Uh, Through three straight interceptions in the fourth quarter, opened the door for the Green Bay Packers to win that game, which the Packers did. It was a huge win for them. They moved to seven and eight, and they are still in the playoff picture. But the Dolphins now have fallen to eight and seven. And maybe we got an explanation on why Tua wasn't very good in the fourth quarter of that game because he is in the concussion protocol again. There wasn't a play uh, that was identified during the game, although people have gone back and and uh, now identified Tua getting his uh, you know bumping his head on the turf again after mm-hmm. uh, after a play. Uh, but he described his symptoms to team doctors, so they don't know if it's a concussion or just symptoms. But now the Miami Dolphins are in a situation, and they were under fire and rightly so for the way they handled Tua earlier in the season. I think it would be borderline criminal. If they put Tua Tungavailoa back on the football field this year, yeah, they. Um, we've been talking this year that that some of the stuff that came out of the original Tua injury was sort of this belief among football teams that if we have a quarterback who has been concussed, rest him a week, even if he passes protocol, 
and, and show some humanity, show some compassion. Don't put yourself in that kind of position where you're having to deal with the Dolphins, uh, and this is before the latest concussion, with what the Dolphins had to deal with earlier. Okay, well, guess what? It's happened again to the Miami Dolphins. There were a lot of people who watched that game, and and a lot of people were were criticizing heavily to his performance late in that game uh-huh. for throwing three bad interceptions. Quite clearly, he got concussed and quite clearly he played through it again so there is so this so now the argument has moved to all right does a football team that when right with Tua looks like a borderline dangerous playoff team will you will they do the right thing and the humane thing and say Tua you're done for the year we're putting you in bubble wrap for the rest of the year you go get healthy we'll get back at this next year you're absolutely right that seems to be the obvious conclusion here but you're dealing with the team that's tasted it you're dealing with the team that's been good that's right there in terms of competing that team gave buffalo all it could handle yeah. in buffalo on a primetime game yes so they're thinking we're right there and so you got guys like jalen waddle you got guys like tyree kill you've got guys balling out on that team and so what do you do if you're the miami dolphins to me the answer is exactly what you said you've got to you can't play with this anymore because because Tua is not going to protect himself. He's one of those guys that will keep playing yes. and keep playing and keep playing until you have to scrape him off the football field. And I hate to sound again doom and gloom, but I worry about the future of, of Tua Tungavailoa. Sure. Even if the, the, the Dolphins, and I agree with you, the right thing is, hey, we're going to value the human being over the player first, and mm-hmm. our playoff chances be damned, although they could hand things over to an experienced guy in Teddy Bridgewater. I, I think the, the, the Dolphins, you know, I think they peaked. I don't think they're a real playoff contender. That might make the decision for their, their football people easier. But I worry about how susceptible Tua Tungavailoa is to this, this kind of injury moving forward. Because you see, once you know you start accumulating these, and this is the second time in the protocol this year, he had one documented concussion at Alabama uh, on that high-profile injury against Ole Miss when he... You know, people concentrated on the hip injury because it was so ugly, but he had a he had a concussion on that play. Yeah. How susceptible is he moving forward? And I think there's local ramifications to this story too, because Cliff Kingsbury came out yesterday, Bick, and said, if Colt McCoy's healthy, we want to go with him the last two weeks. Why? Colt McCoy is thirty six years old and he's taken a world of physical punishment in the limited action mm-hmm. he's had this year. Yeah. You're basically taking a guy from the concussion protocol who was nearly carted off the field and then made the decision on his own to walk off the field. But a week later, yeah. behind that offensive line, you're no. saying, this is, this is our guy? No, I'm with you on that as well. And so I think you just, I, I would continue to ride with Trace McSorley at this point and just kind of get a But even what the Cardinals were doing with Trace McSorley and, and the bootlegs and the runs, I thought, why are you doing Every that? Every time they did that, I was I thought the same yeah, thing. Why? What are you calling that for when you've got no depth at the position right now? None. So, so again, I, I'm with you on that. I, I I wouldn't put him back out there as well. This is uh, this is quite something that the league is going to have to get their uh, get their arms around because it, it, what you're dealing with in Miami now is exactly is exactly the kind of litmus test that's going to prove you know the league's sincerity in this. You've got a team that knows 
that that they can be pretty darn good with Tua when they're healthy, and you've got a quarterback in Tua who who lives for this stuff, who would quite literally die in a football field, and you, you've got to protect this kid. And and the Dolphins, you know, they're all saying the right things, but Mike McDaniel, it's it's he's been on the cusp of being you know this hot new young wonder boy in the NFL uh, at on and off during this course of the season, and he's never really had any experience with this. Uh, we know how bad Stephen Ross wants to win their own to the point where he'll do some real unethical things. So this is, yeah, this is this is quite something. Mm-hmm. This is this is a big story, and a, a lot of the national sports shows are dealing with it as such because of that reason. Yeah, and there's a lot of voices from the outside that I think are getting louder and louder, and that might put additional pressure on the Dolphins mm-hmm. to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, let's let's hope uh, two two is okay because that guy has also sacrificed himself to the football gods this year from an injury standpoint. Uh, Coming up next on Friday, ESPN.com published a very damning story about the culture of the current Arizona Cardinals, and it opened some eyes and raises a lot of questions. We'll get into some of those questions next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.